0: Welcome to season two of the Awesome Women podcast. In season one, we took a wide focus on women in all areas of the community, construction, automotive, mining, healthcare, farming, hospitality, and many more. Season two will be no different. In fact, we have a fabulous lineup of women all with amazing stories to share with you. Season two, however, has a small difference as we will also be speaking to awesome men. For many of us, we have had male mentors who have provided a guiding hand throughout our careers. They too have inspiring stories and we will be sharing them with you. I, Amanda Bulo, Awesome Women in Construction founder, have enjoyed recording these podcasts. It's now over to you to enjoy these at a time that suits you. Thank you for listening to the Awesome Women podcast series. Hi, everybody. Well, it is time for another Awesome Women Podcast, Season 2. Here we go. Now, today we've got Catherine joining us. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Good. Thank you. Now, Catherine, you and your husband of 37 years operate Smartline Franchise in, based in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also served on not-for-profit boards and committees for over 25 years at both state and national level. That is right. Yes. Well done. Well done. Now, sorry. Occupied. (laughs) It keeps you busy. It's exactly right. Now, Catherine, what I'd like to have a chat with you today about is older women and homelessness. Yes. Now some of our members and, and wider community listening may well know about the statistics and how, um, how prevalent it is out there, but I'd like to have a chat about it. You know, give us some of the scary stats and and you know how are these older women becoming homeless?
1: Oh sure, look, it's um on any given night in Queensland, there's ten thousand women experiencing homelessness at the moment, and about two thousand are in Brisbane, so they can be couch surfing or house sitting or uh, you know staying with friends and women's shelters in in um, the dire end of it. And that can happen just from the turn of a, an unfriendly card, I guess. And the women over 55 are the highest um, uh, the highest rate of homelessness. And invariably, and you know, I think COVID might have cemented some of this, but the systemic issues around it are they have a broken, um, Career. They don't have the career options that others would have if they had a consistent career path. They take time out to have children. They might take time out to raise those children. Um, so there's less, a lower income and a lower super fund and very little savings more often than not. And some of the relationships were very sorely tested during COVID. And for example, one, um, um, the husband was a pilot and she was a uh, worked in travel. And they lost their incomes very quickly. And next minute, the stress on the relationship was too great. It broke down. And so at 50, she's looking at um, can't get work, very hard to get work, and is struggling with the two kids who are about 12 and 14, I think. So it doesn't take much, you know, from being quite secure to being, you know, two three homelessness.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think... And I think
1: we- get, that, get
0: sometimes. that
1: sometimes oh yeah yeah no I think a lot of people tend to condemn people who are struggling and and experiencing homelessness is somehow it's their fault it's just through no fault of their own these women are finding themselves in this situation
0: mm-hmm. so what can we do if we suspect somebody that we love care for or may just know in the workplace that they may be homeless or you just have noticed a change of character maybe
1: mm, I was looking up um the stats this morning uh, before this and there's Mission Australia has uh, partnered with the Brisbane City Council to support that very cohort and I think you can just google it I can't quite remember what it is but I just Google women over 55 and homelessness and it came up so it was really good to see and there they're often women who've not ever had to access any of these social supports they really aren't clear about what's available to them they don't want to expose the shame I'm in mean, the sadness. One woman was working full time as a nurse, got divorced, over 55, um, still working full time as a nurse, staying with her daughter and a son in law and their two kids. Became, you know, we're not good at intergenerational co living in our culture. And she was living under the bridge, the Captain Cook Bridge, and working at the MARTA. And she also ended up having cancer. So she was getting the chemotherapy treatment and living under the bridge because she felt such a stigma and shame and ended up saying something to a colleague and they sorted it out immediately, you know, Um, but it's the shame I think that that is exacerbating things.
0: Yeah. And, and being homeless brings its whole other, you know, a whole other load or, or baggage of issues with it, you know, and particularly if you've never been in that situation, you don't know what resources are out there and, sometimes buying the basics, you know, a deodorant and getting your hair cut and, you know, some of those just buying new clothes can be mm. something that's just not on any list.
1: No, that's exactly right. I mean, they forego the luxuries. But, um, like, for example, the disability benefit, I know one woman has um, has neurological. They're not so, It's not so much motor neuron, but, but it's a neurological illness. She's now on disability support pension, and that's 944 a fortnight, which seems an amount of money that you could sort of manage on, but you can't rent anywhere. I was just going to say your rent is, is that, that money. In rent rent in, in some places, you know, if you're paying
0: $400 a rent for a house, what do, you, what do you pay the bills on? What do you eat with? What do you,
1: yeah. So it's not hard to see, and, and that just came out of the blue. She wasn't, she was quite healthy. And had separated from her husband and and thought she was doing fine, and then, yeah, lost a job because of uh, health issues. So it doesn't take much. You know, it's a combination of a couple of things, and your next minute you go, Well, how did this happen? And, and it if it's hard got- all their lives. Yeah. And a 55 year old will be house sharing. Oh, no, no. And I know some who are, and I oh, I would find that very difficult. Um, absolutely, she accepts that it's what she has to do. And I think I mentioned you to um, her in particular. She, um, when I was couch surfing as a kid uh, during years 11 and 12, she would let me stay with her quite often. So I have said, you know, under no circumstances will you be vulnerable um, to that. We would always have a room and she's now um, moved in with her partner of about three years. And I can even see there's a vulnerability to keeping that relationship and there's a dynamic there that without that vulnerability to homelessness may not be there. And it's a really, it's just a shame. It's really sad. Mm.
0: And particularly, like you mentioned, these women have worked hard all their lives, Mm. raised their family at, you know, 55 or older. The last thing you would have ever dreamt of is that you would be homeless and through no fault of their own.
1: Mm -mm. And it's so, I think it challenges their sense of self as well. You know, they have always seen themselves as capable and um, competent and, you know, doing without, but making ends meet and, and, you know, doing the right thing by their kids and, and their family. And then, you know, this is the outcome. It's pretty hideous, but I know some who won't tell the kids that's what's happening because they do not want the shame.
0: Yeah. And we've got to change that stigma. Mm, we've got to mm. shift that, you know, particularly Definitely. when it is through no fault of their own. Losing your job, you know, and it doesn't take much. You know, I, I'm not sure who has, you know, a spare 10 or 20 grand just sitting in a bank account for emergencies, you know. I know that we should have it, but this last 12 to 18 months has been one big emergency. Loss exactly. of job, reduction of hours, reduction of salary, you know, the bills keep coming in. You know, food keeps going up. There's, you know, that bucket is very
1: dry at the moment. Exactly. And and I think that has compounded it, as I was saying, because people have used up their resources. And, um, you know, it can't, you know, it's very little. It can take um, major car service for about $1,500. And they're like, oh, wow, <laughs> how is this going to happen? Um, so, yeah, I, I I can appreciate it can happen quite quickly. Yeah.
0: So tell us, Catherine, how did you become to having a SmartLine franchise? Like, there's got to be a story there, right? <laughs>
1: um, well, I actually didn't make the connection myself, but um, because I'd known what it was like to be homeless, well, I never re- um, thought of myself as homeless. I just thought I was staying with people. Um. And I said, oh, I had a home, but I didn't, just didn't want to go there. And I was not safe there. So, yeah. and, and the person who worked in the field, I was working in then, which was Young Homelessness, um, said, what do you, how do you think people become homeless? Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, oh right, um, you know, their home isn't safe. So I ended up volunteering to do some bookkeeping at a homeless shelter. And I, I actually went to look at the building. It's an old sandstone building in Kalinga and ended up meeting these young people and going, oh, you know, I feel right at home for some funny reason. And um, so volunteered when my firstborn was six weeks old and, and ended up just, you know, I knew nothing of this sector, nothing of the community supports that are available. And um, I went on to do an accounting degree because I could never understand what they returned from the auditor. When I'd submit the figures, it had come back looking very different. Uh, to work, expressly to work in the not-for-profit sector. So I've, I've probably spent the, I've spent the vast majority of my lifetime in that area. And then my husband had do, been doing mortgages for, for years and we decided to break out and do this. And we've been doing it now for 10 years. And the stuff that I love is seeing people get a secure home and appreciate what that means. Um, really, we, we really encourage people not to overextend so that they're always, you know, pretty secure or they can have, one can take time off to have a baby or whatever. Um, And the joy of that is so good. Our oldest person was 54 and bought their first home, um, which was very exciting and they were, they'd been just traveling and various things through life and then went, I never knew this is what people talked about. You know, that sense of security and safety. and the refugees that have arrived in this country, when I worked in Toowoomba, uh, we settled quite a lot of Sudanese refugees and we've now done home loans for them because they live on the smell of an oily rag. <laughs> They'll save their money frugally. And, um, yeah, so that's been a real joy too, to see them feel secure and safe after being so, um, so disadvantaged in their in home country.
0: And I think that's something, you know, those of us that, you know, leave home get a home you know we just go into that trap our mums and dads say you need to get a home you need to buy your own home yada 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 as that australian dream but we do forget that so many people don't have that option and that you know having your own place to call home is that security
1: oh definitely i think too there's um quite a few young people are buying at the moment like 1st home buyers are getting into the market Um, And while prices are escalating, we can always, um, often the parents don't realise the value of their own property and they can support their young people by spotting them 20% equity in their own property. So, for example, a young couple bought for $500,000 and to avoid lender's mortgage insurance, which covers the bank in the event you default, Yeah. is about eleven thousand, eleven twelve thousand dollars. So the parents said, "Oh, we'll, we'll give you a hundred thousand of our property as equity and security over yours." Now the young people have to borrow five hundred thousand and service that debt, but it's often less than interest and rate, um, rent. So you know the parents see it as a, a win-win, and we set it up so that 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 loan's paid down quite quickly. So within three years, usually. Yeah. Um, and in, in recent times, the value of the property has gone up as well. So we've been able to release that um, even quicker. And that helps them avoid trying to save whilst watching houses go up 50, 60 70,000 and just going, how am I ever going to get there? And it's so, got to be a reassurance for mum and dad as well that their
0: kids are... Secure. They're stable. They've got a home, and you know, it may not be their first home, but they're in the market, right?
1: You've That's right. You just still get in. Yeah, and and it's um, you know, that people, well, older people seem to have a sense of oh, and they want everything first, everything new, and they don't invariably. They're quite happy yeah. to get um, you know, something older that they can live in and fix up along the way, and you know, they're sensible quite sensible I mean you don't want to overextend yourself and and they don't and
0: and, and you know when we're talking five hundred thousand dollars to buy a first home it sounds like a money a lot of money when it rolls off the tongue but that's where prices are you know that's, that's exactly where you're right. at to get a first mm-hmm. home you know that isn't a renovator's delight
1: you know mm-hmm. it may need a little bit of work but that's where we are oh yes yes and I i think people forget well, we certainly forget we paid oh look I'm I'm a bit older there. Yeah. Um we paid fifty two thousand for our first home. Yeah. And I look at that and go, Oh, so the thing to do is buy and hold. Yeah. If you can buy something that you think you can live in for a good while, hold on to it, just hang on to it because it will go up over the years. It might steady off at times, but you, you're not gonna lose out. People are selling, um, thinking that they're making a lot of money on the house they're in, but they can't find anything to buy because it's gone exponentially up while, they're, while they've while they been selling. And also, um, you know, what they might've thought once upon a time, 100,000 more would get them what they wanted. It's now more like 200, it's, it's just phenomenal. So if you can sit tight and or renovate uh, to increase the value of your existing home because you you sell and you might pay 25000 in commission plus stamp duty on the next place of, of you know, 20000 You lose forty five very quickly. So, um, yeah, I think the options need to be considered before people get too excited in this market and, and go, oh let's sell and make lots of money.
0: Well, you're selling but you've got to pay it. But you're going to sell the premium but you're going to
1: pay the premium too. I That's think. right. Buy and sell in the same market. It's going to be the same. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, what else, you know, what's been some of the highlights working with the not-for-profits that you've worked with? I mean, I'm sure, you know, we all know not every day is unicorns and roses. Um, but what are some of the, you know, the highlights that you've taken away? Because it it takes someone special to work with not-for-profits.
1: I actually was a bit just. Um, hmm, distanced I guess from direct service delivery being the manager and the accountant kind of side but we did some great work I mean I worked for Anglicare and Toowoomba for about uh, 10 years and um, the crew that we had working there was just fantastic we worked um, in Roma and Toowoomba in um, mental health mm-hmm. and suicide prevention and child protection and but the mental health side I think is my pet passion it's such a an important area for people to access um, good services, really, you know, solid services that can support them during those times. And and the difficulty with mental health is it's episodic. Invariably, it's episodic. So people are fine when they're fine. Yeah. But when they're told they've got a disability or they're, you know, um, ill, they tend to internalise that. And I think it's more important to say, you know, when you're well, you're well. Um, we had a great team and so many good stories. The one I really love was Bailey Henderson Hospital is a long-term institutional facility, mental health facility in Toowoomba people lived there for up to 25 years. And while well, they had lived there for up to 25 years in the mid nineties, we relocated them into the community and successfully relocated 57 people. And some couldn't eat or wouldn't be aware to eat unless they heard a bell. That is how institutionalised they were. And yet they could go out and live in the community and live successfully. And it was a joy. It was a real joy to see. And look, some of them, how they even ended up in there is beyond me. Um, Local communities, like one guy was in Warwick and and he had some, oh, you know, unusual behaviours. So they best thought he'd go into... Bailey Henderson. So what we had as a bit of a mantra was if all of us can just expand our parameters of what is normal. I mean, what is normal? We all go, you know, normal, it's a setting on a washing machine, but we still have our parameters of what we accept our friends or people we know, how we give them boundaries that they need to operate within. And if they go outside, we're like, oh, hang on, what's going on here? And rather than shying away, broaden the parameters or ask you know and I agree with people are you okay is one thing and invariably this culture says we're fine we're fine Um, but it's to say what color is your day today are you feeling um pink are you how you doing in terms of um where you're at your headspace you know I think if you've got a suspicion ask the question in a palatable way that they know that you are reaching out. You're not just saying something ad lib.
0: Yeah. And and we all need to um, take that on. You know, I know, you know, there's a, you know, sometimes you can ring a friend and you, I don't know what it is, Catherine. You just get this mm. sense to give them a call. So, you know, or you send them a text message or a voice message or whatever it is and just go, hey, I've just been thinking about you. I hope you're having a cracking day. Give me a call if you need anything. And sometimes... The person might call you in a couple of days time, but that moment when they got your message, there was something going on that they just weren't coping with or they're thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to get through today? And that simple message, that simple feeling that somebody else cares can be enough, you know, and I think we forget that. Just send a text with the smiley emoji. Send a funny GIF, you know, like
1: whatever it is, just let people know you care and that you're here for them. Oh, I think that's exactly right, and and it's interesting when you say that because you do get a tweak sometimes and you think, oh, that person's popped into my head, I wonder why. And, it, and I know a couple of people, I know quite a few of us go, I was just thinking of you, and they'll go, oh, thank God, because <laughs> it's a bit grim. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything too dramatic. It's just that reaching out says we're here um, and you're loved. And I think everyone's got value. I think that's really an important thing. Everyone has value. Mightn't be a value to me and I wouldn't, you know, make a great friendship of it, but everyone has has a value as a person. You've been born, you exist, therefore that's valuable yeah that's right
0: and we also need to you know take it on board that we you know we need to talk to ourselves like we would a friend you know and if somebody does ring up and you you trust them and they say how is your day going you need to have that confidence and trust to go you know what it's up shit creek i don't know what to do with this and sometimes it's just running it by somebody else and then going, oh, a friend's had that situation the other day or I would do this. And it's just that circuit breaker, Catherine. And it's oh. enough for you to get a perspective from a different side.
1: Oh, exactly. And I, I think you're spot on in that regard. We, um, our self-talk is another thing that's really important. So I'd like to see should taken out of the vocab completely. It just, it shouldn't be in the dictionary. Um, you know, I like to think if we should have and we could have, we would have. But when we go, I should have done this and I should have done that. You know, it's it's berating ourselves for something that hasn't happened and probably couldn't, or we would have done it if yeah, we'd seen yeah. it. If and I think as parents, um, particularly young mums, look, if we had our physical, emotional, and mental faculties in in a hundred percent every day, we would do exactly what we would like to be able to do every day but like nobody does nobody has all of that on and peaky condition every day so you know give ourselves a break if we don't actually function tippy top um and in, it's usually in hindsight and hindsight's a hideous thing because you know it's only in hindsight that we realize things could have been done differently and that's you know a bit like the should you know it can't change. So um, yeah, give ourselves a break, I think.
0: Yeah. And, and for me, the word just needs to come out of the vocabulary as well with your should. So uh, I'm not just anything or, you know, you're not just the receptionist. You're so much more than that. And that's that's another word that irks
1: me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm um, now president of Meals on Wheels at our local Stafford and and some of the volunteers say, Oh, I'm just a volunteer. And I say, there's no adjective. Just is not an adjective for volunteering, and and I said I'm a volunteer too. You know, like we're all volunteering and giving our support and time, so it's not a um, a just no doesn't fit. Mm. No, not at all. Well, it has been
0: fantastic to have a chat with you, Catherine. Now, if anybody's got any um, questions about um, taking out a mortgage or getting a home loan or all those sorts of things, we'll um, share your website and details on the. Um, podcast when it goes live Um, yeah so but in the meantime thank you very much for the time and your conversation it is interesting to have a chat about um, our older women and the homeless um, epidemic maybe we could throw that word in there as well because it isn't going to go away and unless we do something about it to recognize it and to make our older population feel valued um, Mm -hmm. we've got a long way to go
1: I agree but you're spot on yep Fantastic. Thanks,
0: Catherine, and everybody listening. Have a great day. Bye.